so glad to have you guys here. Am I on? There we go. There we go. There we go. Well, good morning, Christ Church. That was dead. Okay. Let's try that again. Good morning, Christ Church. All righty. Children, you are dismissed. Children, you are dismissed. Uh, we've been trying a new thing here where we want the kids to come in and worship with us. It's important that we model to them, model to them what does a life of worship look like, right? What does a, a life of, of worship look like? So they're going off to their classes to learn about Jesus, y'all. Get, get deep. Uh, learn more and more. So, well, good morning, guys. Welcome. We're so happy to have you guys here. For those who may not know, I'm, my name is Javon. I have to be one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to, to serve with you guys this morning. Only got a few announcements before we continue in our sermon series on the book of James. Anybody been loving and hating the book of James lately? Been having a love-hate relationship? <laughs> James has been challenging us, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. But I only got one announcement. This Wednesday, we're going to be having our prayer nights. Our prayer night this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. here at our old Brooklyn campus. Uh, man, this is a night where, where we, we are going to gather with one another. And it's not just for the sake of gathering, but it's the sake of learning and, and incurring, encouraging us on the importance of prayer. Now, we all can be honest with, with one another that we kind of slipped or fall short a little bit from time to time, if not a lot, uh, in the category of prayer, don't we? Right? We, we, listen, we're, I'm with you, right? I, I, as a pastor, I, I, I fall sometimes, and, 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 and Wednesday is just a, a way to remind us of how prayer fills us, right? Prayer fills us, fills us with, with encouragement, a sense of peace, a, a, a sense of, uh, of hope, and a sense of uh, endurance. So come on out, hang out with us, man. You don't want to miss. It's going to be a very special time. I do have one thing I want to say. Easter is right around the corner, y'all. I know, I know it seems early to be talking about it, but Easter is right around the corner, and I want to encourage each and every one of you to know it's coming a little earlier this year. I think Easter's in March, March 31st, right? Yes, March 31st. So this is a perfect time. Get that person on your mind who you want to invite to church. Uh, I guarantee you this, if you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, who is that person? He will reveal to you in due time who he wants you to invite to church, right? Uh, you probably can think about that person right now, right? It's probably a family member that, that you know, man, if we can just get them through the doors, man, God can do some good work. Not that God needs a building or anything like that, but man, there's something special when the people of God come together. So be praying about that person have them on your mind, have them on your heart, and now we're going to get into today's reading. And beginning in James chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you need a Bible, there should be one underneath your seats, or if there's not one, wave down the welcome team, they'll take care of you. If that's not the case, then go ahead and read it on the screen with me. James chapter 2, we finally finished up chapter 1 last week, it took us nine weeks to get through chapter 1. But James chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says this. My brothers or sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and a fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over here or sit down at my feet. 
Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails that in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are being judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who, sh who has shown no mercy. Listen to this. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Your Father, we, we thank you for you waking us up this morning. You giving us the ability to breathe air into our lungs. You've given us the ability to, to move and to think and to, to do, Lord. It is by your spirit and by your power you, you allow us to be sustained every single day. And we just thank you for that. We pray today, Father, that you would illuminate great truth in our hearts. That you would move us from one way of thinking and one way of living to another way, which is your way within our lives. We pray, Father, that today's message wouldn't just be another message that we hear and we're entertained and, you know, but it's a message where it challenges us for tomorrow. We pray that this message makes its way into our Tuesday, to our Wednesday, and to next week, and the week after. We pray that, Lord, that your spirit would uh, illuminate newness and freshness into our hearts. So, Father, help us was to be the people you have called us to be. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The Holy Spirit, we need you at this time. We need you to fill our hearts with what is true, what is honorable, what is worthy to be praised, what is just. We pray that we can be filled with those things so that the things that you fill us with would make its way through our lives. Would you help us? Encourage us. To your son's perfect name is who we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, good morning. As we said, we are continuing in our sermon series in the book of James. For those who are just joining in with us, we've been in James for the last 28 weeks. No, it feels like it. It feels like it. I'm sorry. Took me forever just to get through chapter one. I'm sorry, y'all. Somebody came up to me and said, are you going to, like, preach any other chapters? And I said, whatever, don't, don't judge me. Um, uh, uh, but the, the book of James, the, the goal of James, and remember, whenever you're reading the, the, the scriptures, always have a theme in your mind, right? Never read the Bible uh, just without understanding the, uh, uh, the book of the Bible. Does that make sense? Right? When we take the 30,000-foot view, it helps you and I to, to learn to understand what's being written and what's being asked or whatever it may be. So the 30,000-foot view of James has been to James encouraging us to have a living 
faith, right? To have a faith that's on fire, right? To have a faith that is vibrant, right? That, 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 that our faith is, is hitting a 10 and hitting a 10. And when we go to a 2, we're, we're working on it to get back to a 10, whatever it may be. That's James's encouragement. And James is writing to a group of people who, yes, despite their, their circumstances, their, their, their circumstances doesn't define their lives. Their lives are defined by their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, right? And, and that's what we need to realize today, that our lives are defined by our faith, our hope, our trust, our confidence in Christ Jesus, what he did on the cross and what he's going to do when he comes back. Amen? How many of us know the good Lord is coming back? Hopefully he comes back soon. But he's coming back, <laughs> and we can be encouraged by that. And James is going to kind of uh, switch things up a little bit today. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I remember growing up, I played travel basketball. AAU basketball is what they called it. And so we would go from, from city to city, from, from state to state, and we would go and compete in these tournaments. Well, one place that we always went to uh, was New York City. Now, if you don't know in the basketball world, uh, New York produces some of the best basketball players out there, right? Right? They, they produce some of the best players. And uh, I remember our, our team, we would go out to New York, and we, we would be there a lot. I mean, we would be in the city. We would be in Brooklyn, the Bronx, you name it, man. We would go to New York. But one of our favorite parts about going to New York was walking the New York streets, right? You might tell yourself, that sounds a little dangerous. Teenagers shouldn't be doing that. Uh, whatever, you can talk to my mama later. But, uh, uh, man, I, I remember doing that because one thing that I remember as we were walking the streets of New York was the scammers. You guys know what, we're you know what I'm talking about? You go to New York, there's a bunch of people on the streets selling everything you can imagine. And everything that they're selling is what, friends? Fake. <laughs> everything ain't real, right? You might, you might be able to find one thing, right? But, but, but everything pretty much that they're selling is fake. Nike is spelled with two E's. Chanel is spelled with an S. Uh, Louis Vuitton is Louis Vuitton. I mean, it's like... It's just very, right, everything is fake. I, I kid you not, I'm not, uh, you, this story is so true. You can ask any of my teammates. One time we're, we're walking in New York, and there's always the Jamaicans, right? There's always the Jamaicans. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a little rusty on my Jamaican ask, uh, accent, but I, I'll never forget that we were walking, and you, you can see this one guy come on out. He's got a cigarette in his mouth. And he said, hey, hey, my friend, come here, my brother, my brother, my brother. Come, come, brother, come, come. And we're like, oh, sweet. Like, what's he, what does he have? We're, we're excited. He's like, well, come, come. I got good stuff. I got good stuff. And he tells us to come on over. And it's like eight or nine of us. And then he begins to reach in his bag. And we're like, hold on, bro. What you about to do? Like, you know, you know what, what you about to do? He's like, no, 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 brother, brother. I got the good stuff, brother. I got the good stuff, brother. And so he reaches in the bag. And he pulls out a DVD. For those who do not know what DVD is. It's a circular disc that you put into a thing that plays the thing and thing, you know. Give you a little history lesson today. Uh, and I'll never forget, he pulls out the DVD, I Am Legend. Anybody remember that movie, I Am Legend, that Will Smith was in? He's like, I got movie before Blockbuster. I got movie before Blockbuster. And we, we, he pulls it out, and we're expecting to see Will Smith on the front of the DVD. 
Tell me why this dude pulled out an I Am Legend DVD that had Tom Cruise on the front. And we're like, bro, this, like, that's, this ain't the right shade, brother. Like, you know, this, this is a different guy. I can see if it was Mission Impossible, you know. I, I can see if it was that. This, this don't make no sense. No, 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 brother. I'm telling you, brother, 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 brother. I'm telling you, this is the good stuff. I'm like, no, bro, you're lying. Like, I, I'm even looking at I Am Legend. It says I Am Legit. Like, it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. It's easy to spot fake things, but that's what I'm saying, right? Right? Uh, it's easy to f- spot fake things, and it's, it's, it's even easier to f- uh, 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 spot genuine and real things. And so what James is going to teach you and I today is how to spot a genuine Christian. That's what James is going to teach each and every one of us, how to spot a genuine Christian. And here's what he's going to say right out the bat. One of the ways you can spot genuine Christianity, are you ready? One of the ways of how you can spot authentic Christianity is not how much they can quote the scriptures or not how much they can tell you about theology and all the X, Y, and Z, which is great, which I love, which I nerd out on, and I love that. I mean, it's awesome. But, but James is going to teach us that the one way you can spot a, 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 someone who truly knows Jesus is by how they treat other people. Right? Right? James is going to challenge us. He's going to say, hey, I've talked to you about all the things that I need to talk to you about. I've talked to you about the word of God. I've talked to you about how God does some good work and the trials and, and, and all of that. But here's the one thing that you and I cannot afford to, to miss, which is how we treat one another. I love this one pastor. He says this. When someone says, I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm a Christian, the first thing I do is I, 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 I go to their relationships. I thought that was really cool, right? I go to their relationship. I, I go to how they treat other people in their lives. Uh, and, and that's what James is going to challenge you and I today, to realize that, that as followers of Christ, how we, how, we, how we relate to one another has to be very different in our lives, right? Because the world has a, has a way of treating other people, but Christ calls us to to treat others to a greater standard, right, with a greater standard, right? And, and he's going to teach us that, that the one thing we got to realize is that one thing we cannot miss is how we treat one another, especially, you ready, especially the ones who we disagree with. Because it's, it's easy to get, get along with people who think like you, right? This means yes. This means it's easy to get along with people when they're listening to you. Right? When they, when they do what you want them to do. Right? But James is going to take it a little bit deeper. Right? On how we treat other people who are unlovable. Right? Who just flat out do not listen to you. Anybody have those people in your life? Right? They just, they don't like to listen to you. Right? Right? How you treat other people when they disappoint you. Right? How you treat other people who've hurt you. Right? James is going to tell us that Christians, we're called to a greater standard, right? We're called to a standard that is above what we see in this world. I used to get my hair cut at this, uh, this barbershop years and years ago, and I grew up going to the barbershop, and the one thing that I love about the barbershop was the barbershop talks, 
Oh, I love, I mean, people would spend hours in there, and I'd be like, are you getting a haircut, or are you just here to hang out? Like, I was just, it was always, it was, I couldn't tell, like, bro, you, you look real fresh right now, but you're hanging here, and it's been three hours. But i I never forget, years ago, I'm, I'm, we're having barbershop talk, and we get into everyone's favorite conversation when it comes to sports. We get into the GOAT debate. We start talking about who is the greatest player of all time. And specifically, we're talking about basketball. And in the shop, we got, we got LeBron James fans, who are a bunch of idiots, but we got LeBron James fans, and, and then we got Michael Jordan fans, who are the smart ones, the Christians. That's, 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 that's what, what they represent, right? And then I'm going at it with this guy, and he's telling me about this, and he's telling me about that. And I mean, we're, I mean we're, we're like going back and forth. Now, here are two grown men arguing about another other grown man. You ever find that very interesting? But anyway, but, but, but we're, we're, we're going back and forth. I'm saying, Michael's better. And I want you to know, if you're going to go here at our church, there's, one thing, there's two things you must know. You must believe that Jesus is Lord, but also you must believe Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, Okay. If you think elsewhere, we'll find you another church. We'll help you out. We'll take care of you. But other than that, that's the two things. Nope, don't move on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so we're going at it. We're fighting. We're bickering. And next year, no, things get so heated, I, we started talking about each other's mamas. I don't know how that just got up. Right? Next year, we talk about each other's weight. And, and then, he start, then he made fun of my height. Oh, don't you throw that. That's just... It's a very sensitive topic for me, all right? The fact that you're laughing just, you know, I'm real deeply insecure right now. So we're going back and forth, back and forth, and, and we, start, uh, we start going at each other and berating one another. And, and, and next year, no, we were friends, but we're no longer friends. Why? Because this, uh, things that we disagree on, we kind of made that the fine line, right? right? And haven't we seen that in culture today? Here's the one thing that I realized. The world needs a better version of Christianity, right? The, the message doesn't need to change, but the messengers need to change. Does that make sense? The, the message in and of itself is rich and beautiful, but the messengers are the ones who need to change. And James is going to call you and I to know that a genuine faith expresses Christ-like service to others. That a genuine faith expresses Christ-like service to others, not just people within your circle, but people even who think like, think different than you, vote different than you. That's what James is going to call you and I to, that we are called to treat people radically different than what the world does. So here's James's idea. James is going to talk to you and I about us getting the, the, the service mentality correct. Right, having a mentality of that, that our lives are, are, are meant to serve other people, right? Now, if you understand that the world that we live in, we live in a, a, a culture that, that, that loves to focus on other people's flaws. You ever notice that? We live, in a, we live in a very shame-filled culture, right? If you did something 20 years ago and you tweeted it on, on Twitter, you know, next year you know there's the cancel mob that's ready to cancel you. Right, right. But, but here's the thing: we sometimes will will do the same thing, right? 
We, we love to look at what other people have done and how, how, how far they failed. And, you know, next, you know, it leads us to gossip and, and all these things and, and, and whatnot. Uh, but James is going to move us to, to learn of what it looks like to be servants to other people. There's one thing you've got to realize as a Christian, you are called to God, but you're also to call to serve others for God. Right? And, and, and that's everyone in our lives, right? That's, that's every person, people in our families, right? People at our jobs, right? But people in our communities, we are called to serve others from our relationship with God, and it must be different than what the world is getting. James is going to talk about, uh, he's talking about a specific problem that's happening in the church at the time that he's writing this letter. He talks about a specific issue. But then James moves to talk about more of an individual calling, right? Yes, he's talking about an issue, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But here's the one thing that he wants to, to encourage the church. He wants to encourage them to understand that as followers of Christ, this is your calling. That we're called to treat others better and better. Right Now, why is James going to talk about this? Why does the Bible talk about service to others, right? And there's different ways of service. Everybody's service is different than everybody else's service, right? But, but why is James calling us to this? Here's the one thing that I've realized this. Some of the greatest ways I've been able to tell people about Jesus has been when I've treated them better. Right? So, can I tell you something? Some of the ways that I've been able to share Jesus isn't when I open the Bible and I go to Genesis 1 and let's talk about creation and, you know, Genesis 3. Let's talk about the fall. And then let's talk about the Tower of Babel. Let's talk about Abraham. And then let's just, Abraham leads to David and, and David leads to the prophets. And, and then that's all. I mean. Listen, the, the one way people see Jesus is how we treat them. Right? Right? The, the one way that Jesus goes forth and Jesus is preached, right, the, and Jesus is proclaimed is when you and I are willing to forgive. Right? When you and I are, are, are willing to have extreme radical generosity, right, that screams Jesus more than the preacher today. Right? Yes, I, I'm preaching, and I want to help you to understand the scriptures and to help you to have a greater practice. But I can tell you right now, the greatest way God moves in this world is when Christians get it right. Right? When Christians can look at someone who, who maybe look a little different than them and maybe have a different viewpoint of them, but they're still able to put their arms around them and say, I still call you friend. I still call you brother, and I still call you sister. And James wants to give them a kingdom gospel mentality where our allegiance is not to self, but it's to God, Christ Jesus. That's who it is, too. They were called that through our treatment, not that God needs us. God's not a needy God, right? But God is glorified when you and I are willing to be servants in our lives. One of my favorite stories uh, uh, there was a, the, this guy that owned a shoe shop in southern, Oklahoma, uh, southern Oklahoma. This was years ago. So he owned a shoe, uh, shoe shop, and he had a few employees, but he had that one employee that always showed up late, 
He had the one employee that, that, uh, that slept on the job. Anybody got an employee that you're like, if we just get rid of this person, things would just get better. Maybe you're that person. But, uh, <laughs> right? Right? And he had this, and, and, the, and the owner of the shoe shop, he knew about this guy, right? And the employees, they begin to complain to the owner. They're saying, you need to fire this guy. You need to get rid of this guy. He is bad for business. He's costing us money. We have to tell him what to do all the time. The same thing again and again and again. He's lazy, da-da-da-da-da, but the owner didn't fire him. Just didn't, get, just didn't fire him. And so time goes by, and about 12 to 15 years goes by. The owner is still there. And then he said one day as he was wrapping up, he was closing up shop, he sees this big black ta- uh, Tahoe pulling uh, to the parking lot. And out walks these three beautiful children. And this beautiful woman, he says, walks out. And then it happened to be the young man that used to work for him. And they walk in, and he's overwhelmed with joy. He hasn't seen him in probably over a decade. The young man hands the owner a check. Man, it's a check that can, that can help the business for like a year in advance. I mean, it's awesome. But you want to know what's so special about that moment? That the young man asked the owner, you know, I was a knucklehead. Why didn't you fire me? And you know what the owner said? The owner of the shop said, see, I want to tell you a story about myself. See, at one point I was in prison for six years. At one point I was a deadbeat father. He says, at one point I committed adultery to my wife. At one point I stole and cheated. But even though I had all of that happen in my life, Jesus Christ was still good to me. He says, even though that happened in my life, and I noticed this, I'm going to treat others how Christ has treated me. Good, forgiving, and patient. The young man begins to bawl and cry. You know what he says next? Tell me about this, Jesus. And uh, I love how the story ends. The story ends three months later. The young man went to the uh, owner's uh, church that he went to, and he was baptized. Why? Because little did did the people know that, that the owner was planting a seed of grace. He was planting a seed of mercy. And you want to know the one way how that young man was reached? It wasn't through a sermon. But it was through one's treatment to him because of Christ that changed them. Friends, I need you to remind you, I need to remind you that our service to others is because Christ greatly served us. Right? The Son of Man came not to be served, but what? To serve and give his life for a ransom. And so that's James's mindset that our that our willingness to serve others and, and, and this is how God makes Himself known is through the way we treat other people, when the way we treat other people. So, uh, what's what's the what's the one reason why we're compelled to service? Well, let's look at verse one. He says this, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory. Now, this is awesome. Watch this. James says that Jesus is the glorious one. In a more literal sense, he he really means uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ of glory, right? 
And some scholars like to think that, that James is referencing Exodus chapter 13, the, the Shekinah glory, when, when God leads the people of Israel out of Egypt and they're walking through the wilderness. You remember this story where God leads them by, a, by cloud and leads them by fire, cloud by day, fire by night, right? That, that, that was this idea that God's presence is manifested here on this earth. And, and James, he wants you to understand that Jesus is God manifested, right? That he is the glorious one. He is the one full of splendor and wonder and awe, that, that he is God himself, the very radiance of God, the, the visible image of the invisible God. He, he is the exact imprint of his nature, that Jesus is glorious. Now, why is James moving to this idea? Because, yes, Jesus is glorious. He is eternal. He is from the beginning. He has no end. He, he, he sits on high as a king now and forever. And at one point, Jesus left all of that to come to this earth. Now, what is James trying to hint to us? James wants you to look at, yes, the glory of Jesus, but the humility of him as well, too. Does that make sense? He wants, you to, he wants you to see the glory of Christ. But Christ, even in pure perfection, can you imagine leaving heaven to come back to earth? No, 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 no. I'll be like, hey, you got to send somebody else. You gotta, I'm not going. I'm staying right here. But he says this so that we can get a perfect imitation of what it looks like to serve one another. What does it look like when we lower ourselves? The very famous Philippians 2. We had to memorize that in college, in, in my courses. We had to memorize that although Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count himself with equality. Not that he stopped being God. He always was God, both now and forever but that Jesus humbled himself and he moved towards broken people. He moved towards lowly people. He moved towards needy people like you and me. So what is James saying, friends? That, that our example of service, it's in the humility and the glory of Jesus Christ, Right? And like, like, we have a hard time fathoming what it means when Jesus took on flesh and left heaven to come down to the gossip-filled, hate-filled earth, but he served. And that's James's mindset. I love what it says in Philippians, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, ha has this beautiful picture of Jesus' uh, coming to this earth. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that same language James uses. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Look how beautiful that is. That though Jesus was sitting in heaven, the splendor and the awe of heaven. But for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. Isn't that beautiful? That's, 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 that's Christ. That's the service of Christ. 
And friends, I, I've noticed this, friends, if we're going to impact the world for good, if we're going to impact our families for good, if we're going to be the, the salt and the light that Jesus calls us to be, friends, we must look at Jesus' great humility where he lowered himself and he took on flesh and he served and he sacrificed and he suffered. And friends, that is our great model, but it's also the great purpose in our lives because through his suffering, he brought us to God. And through our humility, we let God be shown through us. Through, through us being able to lower ourselves, God is glorified in it. Here's what I want to say. The gospel doesn't, doesn't only save us. It works through us to serve others. The gospel doesn't just save us, but it works through us so that we can serve others well. Number one, I want to look at the humility of Christ. The humility of Christ. There's one thing that I, I remember my brothers hated. Anybody always, anybody always get in a fight with their siblings growing up? Right? Anybody still get in a fight with their siblings today? <laughs> right? You're always going back and forth. You're always, you know, uh, bickering and all of that. And, right? I, I remember I used to always wear my brother's clothes to school. Now, dumb me would try to hide it, but little did I realize we were in high school at the same time, so if I walk the hallways and he sees me, he's going to see the clothes that belong to him on me, and I'll never forget, he used to yell at me in the hallways. He used to, right, right, he used to, and I remember one day he said, you're so selfish. You're so selfish, you don't think about anybody else than yourself, right? Now, that was 20 years ago. I still do that today. And humility, all it is, friends, it's the, it's, the, it's the movement of the practice where we consider others more important than, our, than, than ourselves, where we are willing to lower ourselves, where we're willing to say to ourselves, it's not about me. It's not about me concept, but I'm willing to serve other people. Does that make sense? <laughs> and number, uh, uh, number two, he talks about the love of Christ. Look what he says in verse 8. If you really fulfill the world law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. I've noticed this. It's hard to love people who are unlovable. Right? It's hard to, it's hard to love people when they've disappointed you. Right? But I want you to think about this. And, and I think James connects to this beautiful idea. That if we're not careful and we don't see the gospel in the most clearest way, According to Jesus, we were unlovable at one point. If we don't look at the gospel in the right way, right? If, if we understand who Jesus is, the glorious one, the beautiful one, we are truly the ones who are unlovable. But I love what it says in Romans 5. That even when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Even when we were still Caught up in our ways. Christ died for us. So what is this love? This love is an expression of humility in our lives. And James talks about the idea that in order for us to serve others well, we must be able to detach ourselves from the prejudices and the favoritism that exists within us. We, we must do that. Now, now here's, here's the one thing that I want to say about this passage. 
that, that a lot of people will take this passage and they'll and they're make it uh, uh, into something that it's not. This passage is not trying to, 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 to elevate anything else more than you and I being willing to remove some of the prejudices that we have in our lives. Now, here's the thing. You always hear Christians say, well, you're not allowed to judge them, which I would say that's not true, I, which I would say the Bible doesn't tell us not to judge. But what about when Jesus says, judge not and you're, or you'll be judged with the measure you use and we measure back to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this idea of judging, which we all do every day, this idea of judging is judging someone without context, right? It's judging someone without a proper view of where they are and who they are and what's going on in their lives, right? It, it, it's, 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 it's going from one extreme to the next without truly getting to know that person, right? That's the judgment Jesus talks about. But you and I, we have to judge, we have, to, we have to have some type of judgment in our lives so we can make wise decisions. But in the end, James talks about what hap- what's going on in the church, that people are looking at other people, and they're seeing them as lower, right? And we all have a prejudice somehow in our lives. We just do, right? We all have a prejudice in our lives. And it may, not be, it may not be economic. It may not be racial. It may not be political, right? But we all have something in our lives where we have to ask the Lord Jesus, heal this area of my life. This is an area of my life where I'm not ashamed to admit that this is where I fall short. And this is James's idea that you and I can serve others well when we have a, a, a prejudice about us, right? I've noticed that culture, their way of dealing with the tension of the world is by judging other people to make themselves better. But James says, the gospel gives you a greater view. The gospel says everyone has value. Everyone should be treated with a certain dignity and a respect in their lives. And number three, he talks about mercy. Here's the one thing that I want you guys to know as a church. I want us to be a church that at the end of the day, they can't say anything else other than Christ church serves people well. No matter where anyone is in their lives, no matter how far they are from God, no matter how they've treated other people, that, that you and I would have a radical uh, 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 um, uh, uh, zeal to serve other people well. I, I want us to be a church like that we have with our food distribution. Once a month on Saturday, there, there's, there's a line parked around uh, the, uh, the streets, and people are waiting for food to be served in that way. That's the church that we want to be. And we don't care their ethnicity. We don't care uh, 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 where they're from. We don't care about anything. But we're willing to be the church that, 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 that as the world begins to blame and complain about the harsh reality, we're the ones walking in the reality, bringing faith in Jesus with us. That, that, that's who we are, that we will be a church that serves our special needs community. That, that, that serves our community, that, that is under, uh, uh, underserved and uh, devalued in so many ways. 
but we're willing to tell ourselves, since Christ has uh, served and bled and died for me, I am willing to serve others in this unique way. Here at the church, I want to start a, I want to start a new mom's ministry, right? Be, I want to start a, a single mom's ministry. I want to start a ministry where we're serving young moms in this church, right? Uh, I don't know if you know, in the greater Cleveland area, over 38% of moms are single. That's a huge, huge number. So us as a church, we can look on the screen and see the stats and say to ourselves, well, you know, this is what's problem with society. They're having babies doing it. But, but we're the church that says, how can we be the followers of Christ so that we can be the salt and light into this, 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 this situation happening in greater Cleveland? I want to start the hospitality ministry that when someone in our church is, is hurting, there's a group of people that is ready to get up, cook food, uh, pray, visit, whatever it may be. I want to start a student ministry. We have a couple young people here today that are, that are willing to, to sacrifice their time so they can be able to reach young people in this community. If there's one thing we need to do, church, it's easy to sit back and complain about how bad the world is. But guess what? Christianity is God's answer to the brokenness that exists within us. Right? It's easy to sit back and say, oh, well, if you, if you would have voted for this person, this wouldn't happen. If you, if you would have just done it this way, this wouldn't happen. But Jesus says, no. Christianity is the answer that the world needs. And that starts with you and I. And you may say to yourself, but Javon, I, I don't have much to offer. I don't know much about the Bible. I don't, I don't know much about church, and, you know, I'm new to Christianity. But can I encourage you today? Can I encourage you one more time today that God does a lot when you and I just say yes to him? When we say yes to the, to the lifestyle of generosity, when we say yes to the adventure of faith, when we say yes to the, 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 the joy in ministry, when we say yes to the excellence of Christ, when we just go to him and say, Lord, I just want to be your servant, send me where you want me to be. And can I tell you, friends, God is faithful to answer that prayer, right? Like God is faithful to answer that prayer. Some of you, God has been putting it on your heart of where you need to go, what you need to do, but you've been putting it off for a while, am I right? I'm a little too busy, but God is saying, the time is now. Let's go out. Let's change our world person by person, block by block, city by city, ministry by ministry. The good that we hope to see will be to the church. The church isn't perfect, but they have a perfect Savior. Let's pray. Dear Father, I, I thank you for the reminder one more time. I thank you for the reminder that you've called us to do much, that you've called us to serve, that you've called us to be a part of your great plan in this world. And Father, I pray that, that we wouldn't take this calling lightly. I pray that we wouldn't just sit back and, and hear this message and say to ourselves, well, 
well, I'll serve one day, but rather right now today, your sons and your daughters would say yes to you. They would say yes. They would say to themselves, Lord, I just want to serve well. I just want to be the person that you've called me to be. And who you've called me to be is more than just my job or my career or more than just my environment or my circumstances. But who you've called me to be is to be a servant of you towards others. So would you please help us in that? Would you help us to be a church that wouldn't be consumed with just church and coming, but rather we would be consumed with going, with going and being your people, with going and being the people that are reaching and loving and sharing and caring and doing the good work. I pray, Lord, that you would remove the prejudices that, is, that exist within us. That you, were, that, that, that you uh, would be at work in the areas where we, we, we are overly focused and overly um, judgmental towards other people. So I pray that you, you would be at work in our hearts in that way. Help us to be great servants. It's in your son's perfect name is who we pray. Amen.